Hi, my name is Jonathan Kiersby. Welcome to Sax Reel, the podcast that gives you the inside scoop on your favorite saxophone-loving musicians. Each episode, I will have a new guest in to share their fun stories about their past, talk about their experiences as musicians and educators, and to share any exciting projects that they're working on. This week, I'm very excited to have another esteemed guest in. She serves as the program director for the Snow Pond Music Festival. She regularly presents at conferences such as various state music education associations and the Midwest Clinic. And she's also the professor of music at Susquehanna University. I'm very happy to welcome Gail Levinsky. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. I always like to start by asking a little bit of background about you, maybe just a little bit of biographical information briefly, just so that people can get a better sense of who you are. Sure. Well, as you noted, I'm a professor of music at Susquehanna University, which is located in central Pennsylvania. And uh, I've been here, I'm, uh, this is my 20th year. Oh, wow. So I've been here for many, many years. And, and prior to that, I was in uh, um, Mississippi, at Mississippi State University, and very fond memories there as well. And traveled from different parts of the country, but I grew up in western Massachusetts my musical start was there. So I know you spent some time in grad school with, oh, all of your time in grad school with Dr. Hamke, and I know that he was a very large part of your life. I'm wondering if, were there any stories that stuck out to you with your time with him? Well, I'm sure like many, we have numerous. Um, too many to count, you, I'm sure. Too many to count. And I come um, from a unique background in that just by pure chance and situation, my undergraduate experience, I had four teachers in four years. Totally situational, people coming and, and going. And I, I learned um, so much for, of what I wanted to be and what I didn't want to be, which is, you know, that's not usually included in tuition. So I, I really cherished my time in undergrad. And, and it had been eight years between my undergrad experience and graduate school. So with that, you're just, you know, um, thirsty for new knowledge at, at that point. And, you know, from my first lesson, I can remember working on Days and Clo and, you know, walking away with the idea of why didn't somebody tell me that the first time, you know, or <laughs> why didn't somebody share that information with me before? You know, it was just, uh, I was a sponge and, and I couldn't get enough information. I think through your, your other podcasts, there's a theme which is all things are possible and uh, with with Dr. Hamke and and you know with most teachers but certainly with Dr. Hamke he challenged you in so many ways and even ways that you didn't understand at the time and so I think that will be sort of a a, a key part of my my memories in my northwestern time and I was challenged to uh, when I first came in I was music ed but I very quickly turned into you know saxophone everything and then I <laughs> stayed and you know my, my doctorate was in performance. I tried to take advantage of everything Northwestern could give me at the time. Many, many memories from my time there with him. I'm just curious because a lot of people do end up taking time in between degrees. What were you doing for those many years between degrees? Well, after my undergrad, which was at Butler University, I moved um, to Texas, to Dallas, where my parents were living. They had moved down like two years earlier than that. And I went to, I think it, if I remember correctly, it was TBA, that it's a conference that the Texas Bandmasters 
Association or something like that that they have in July. They have TMEA, which is in February, and TBA, which is in July. And so I went down there just to to meet people and da da da. And so I heard that Texas has this private lesson program going on in the schools. During undergrad, I had taught a lot of private lessons, and I thought, oh, if I can start a studio, that would be fantastic. So um, I started uh, calling around, and I ended up meeting a band director in the Garland area, which is just uh, north of, I guess, northeast. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm going to say northeast of Dallas, and kind of, do you have any private lesson students needing saxophone lessons and they did and that first semester I started with a uh, nine and I'm you know I'm like doing the math I mean you, you know you're 21 years old and I'm living at home and I'm thinking wow nine you know that's pretty good I mean I think we were making four dollars a half hour you know I mean I it's not great but if I have another job I can you know make it happen and it just blew up from there and when I, le I left after uh, seven years I had 107 students uh, I was teaching 12 oh hours a day except for Friday and yeah and but but you know it was the, in some way some of the hardest work I've ever done but I'm sure. at the same time what I gleaned pedagogically was just unbelievable mm -hmm. and it really formed who I was as a teacher so it was a really cherished time and um, I'm still connected with several of those students and yeah that's amazing. good times I good think times record the of amount of students that I've ever heard. <laughs> I've heard of people having <laughs> well, like 80 in Texas before, but never over 100. Well, when you were making, you know, $5, five and a half, six dollars um, a half hour, you kind of had to. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. <laughs> Maybe in my last year, I bumped it down a little bit because I think we were making six. <laughs> mm, wow. That is wild. So I'm wondering, while you were at Northwestern, was there any significant quartet experiences that you had? Because I like, I always like asking people about their chamber experiences because oh. that's, you know, you, there's so many fond memories that I'm sure all of us have about working with people, and that's why we do what we do is being able to work with people. So, was there any experiences that stuck out to you? Oh, absolutely, and one that forged into a professional relationship mm. as well. My first quartet experience was part of an ensemble. I hope it's still um, in place at, at NU that was run by Don Owens and it was a uh, contemporary music ensemble and uh, one of the grad composers Paul Dickinson had written um, a quartet that was all new, new notation first of all what you know I mean it was I was playing Barry and and what do you do here I mean it was that new to me and, and that quartet was uh, with uh, Dennis Lindsay who is a band director incredible teacher up in Bloomington Minnesota and Jerry Ruthroff who's based in Chicago um, teaching was teaching is teaching at, at DePaul and freelancing played with uh, Chicago Symphony incredible player from that formed a quartet called Vision uh, which also included another one of Dr. Hemke's students, Nancy McMillan, and just a, a great, great time. Uh, and we stayed together, I think it was for like four years, and recorded a CD. And I think we did the U.S. premiere of Zoss. Um, oh, wow, really? it had only Yeah, at the time, it had only been uh, recorded 
by the Sigurasha Quartet, mm -hmm. and soon, the, soon thereafter, the Vienna uh, Quartet, which at that time included Sue Fancher and Mark Engelbretson, and they were in Vienna, of course. But prior to that, I think it was us. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we did, really did a lot of uh, fun stuff. Yeah. Just for reference for the people who do not know what Zoss is, it's a very interesting piece. Not everyone enjoys it, but I think it's a very cool piece. It's extremely difficult. There's extreme ranges, so even the lowest of the saxophones are in the stratosphere. It's very difficult, so it's very impressive that that was a U.S. premiere for you guys. That's really cool. Uh, and and uh, I think the, the Barry part, every bit of four octaves. So after your time at Northwestern, how long was it before you found your job at Susquehanna? Uh, well, I went to Mississippi State first. Oh, yeah, Mississippi um, State. Sorry, yeah. Um, and, you know, at that point, it was, we, we were transitioning between in academia of the need and requirement for a doctorate or not. Mm. Um, and so at that point, I was just finishing up my, my coursework in the doctorate. And this uh, position came available, and uh, you go. You, you go sure. where you are offered a job, right? So, yeah. um, and it, I have forged and, st and still have great relationships there, and I continue to play with one of my uh, former colleagues, uh, Jackie Edwards Henry, and we've done World Congresses together. I mean, she's a beautiful pianist. So, you know, I'm very close to, with my former students. And then I came to Susquehanna in uh, 2000. As you were mentioning, those World Congresses, those are a big highlight for a lot of people in their career just because it's an international trip. It's a big performance. You know, you have an audience that you don't normally have with all the international people being at those conferences. You mentioned before that you played at the one in Pissarro and at Strasbourg. Do you have memories from those that you'd like to share? I do um, for both. Well, first of all, the, the one at Pesaro was unique because it was my first performance at a World Congress, and I, it was with Vision, and we were premiering the third quartet of William Carlin's. Mm. You know, the memory from that is this beautiful 19th century opera house, uh, Rossini Theater, and so that in, in and of itself was incredible memory. Just, you know, all the, the new music, I, I remember Claude DeLong performing, of course, Dr. Hemke performing, I mean, just the, the who's who, that's what's fun mm -hmm. about it, and everybody is, is so, you know, wonderful and welcoming, and, and it was just a unique experience. Mm -hmm. And then with Strasbourg, not only was I premiering a piece, and, and it was the first time I believe that I had done a solo piece, uh, Sonata by Matthew Quayle, but it was the first time that I had students who were performing. Mm -hmm. And so that one is a real special one for me as a, a teacher, you know, mm -hmm. and oh, great yeah, performances, sure of course, there as well. It's always fun, I'm sure, seeing at that point in your career, seeing your students going and performing at these things. I'm sure that's a whole different perspective on those conferences. Absolutely, and and had built had started to build at that point um, their own careers, and so way fun, way fun I'm for sure. me. You're teaching at Susquehanna right now, but you also are the program director of the Snowpond Music Festival. I'm just mm -hmm. curious, how did that all start? How did you get into that with Dr. Hemke? Well, there's two components to that actually. Um, the first part is that there's the Snow Pond uh, Music Festival, and that started in 2012, and it is uh, a college programs at uh, Snow Pond Center for the Arts, which is in the Belgrade region of Maine and in central Maine. And we started with, and I program that is still going to this day. It's called the Maine Chamber Music 
uh, seminar. We had a conducting program, we had a percussion program, multiple college age programs. It was in that year, of course, that, that Dr. Hemke retired, and it's just a magical place to be surrounded by music. And so when he retired, I, I um, approached him with the idea of having a saxophone-related program that he would run, that we would pull off the ground. Now, at that point, um, there weren't many programs like that. Uh, there was Gap, you know, but I don't yeah. think there was many uh, there was a few high school programs, but I don't think at that point there was many college programs. Yes, there's been a so, lot more, yeah. Right now, many, many, many more, and it, that's all good for saxophone. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's exciting. So we started out, I think we started out uh, with a week, and it was basically, I, I was program director, and I basically said, you, you know, you, you tell me what to do, and we'll make it happen. And then we, we, we started off, I, I think, with 12 students, and it was a boot camp. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you ask those 12 students what their experience was, it, it, they'll, they'll put, I f I'm pretty confident they will smile, and it was like a boot camp for saxophone. And the reason why they would say that is because there were basically four teachers, uh, and still are. Uh, so with Dr. Hemke, you met with him and his longtime collaborative performance, Sharon Peterson, and you'd work on repertoire with piano. And then we had, um, in the first year, a guest artist, and that individual would work on the repertoire in order to get ready for the lesson with Dr. Hemke and Sharon. And then Sean Herbert would work on technique, and I worked on uh, sort of all the above. Uh, whatever you know, I thought was necessary at the moment. The crazy thing about it is that students would have back-to-back -back lessons, four oh, lessons wow. a day, right? And and then in the That's afternoon, awesome. right? It was uh, crazy. And then the afternoon we'd have sax, choir, orchestra, and also quartet. So they had an hour of quartet every day, and then every other day I think we we did uh, large ensemble then dinner and then at night we'd have master classes and or uh, some kind of seminar and or recital and they were doing uh, like they were learning like Denisov in the, in a week you know and oh then my. they would stay up until like two o'clock in the morning and practice and our first class was at eight o'clock you know wow. <laughs> so it was description for that yep <laughs> so it was way fun and exhausting and you know and we did it and then the, the next year we uh, changed I think to a 10-day program and the next year we changed to a 14-day program and it's been that model for uh, several years now and we always bring in a, a guest artist this year we our guest artists would have been Deborah Rickmeyer and as our fourth teacher and uh, Sue Vancher was going to be our guest artist fortunately uh, they will join us this coming summer in 2021, but it was you know as fun as uh, all the the music making was and the and the saxophone learning process was you know and students you know I, I I think this is safe to say just they had a great time and we had students that were there for six years straight. Um, oh, wow. I mean, it was part of the ritual, and we've had 
quartets who have, um, I don't mean this like we take credit for it, I mean it was an honor for us to work uh, with Marisol and Aruna quartets, um, but they used those, that time to get ready for those years that they won uh, Fish Off and great individuals, great teaching background, um, so it, that was fantastic. But you know, with Dr. Hamke, equally important to all the, the, the saxophone that was going on and, and the recitals and the lessons and, and all that was that when we had our day off, Monday or Tuesdays were our day off, is that we went on a hike, we went to the beach. Sometimes we did both. We went to some place that he thought that the students had never been to or would not get to. And, you know, we had to have our lobster dinner. And, um, you know, it was very, very special time. And we were fortunate in that the year uh, before, and t I guess it would be 2018, they were revealing um, a new marketing strategy and box for the Hemke Reads. Mm -hmm. And so we surprised them with um, Kristen McKean coming and revealing the packaging, and we had a big to-do. And so, you know, we had, I think, like 20, 25 students that summer. And it was a very, very special moment that I'm, as I look back on now, I'm very, very, very happy that we had that opportunity. I'm sure that must have been so special to go from having your professor be your professor, and then of course you worked with him. I'm that's sure that's an interesting transition, but also it sounds it, it like was. it was a lot of fun in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and and I use this word um, so carefully because you know we use it sometimes too often, but it was an honor and a blessing. So I know you've done a new edition of the Rosemary Lang's study on Autismo, and I feel like that's a really good publication, good for students who are trying to work on that. Could you give me a little bit of info on why you were interested in doing that? Uh, as we've discussed before, I was a graduate of Butler University, of which Rosemary was on the faculty. And she was really uh, a woman ahead of her times and someone that I think I appreciated much more after graduation than while I was in school. Everything Rosemary uh, Miss Lang produced was self-published. And uh, many years later, after I had been teaching for many years, it was actually Steve Mock at a regional conference who knew that I had gone to Butler, who kind of got the ball rolling and asked if I would take on this project, which was quite the project actually, because as I mentioned, Rosemary self-produced everything, which meant in her basement, she functionally wrote everything by hand. And with, oh uh, I'm aging myself here, with a mimeograph machine would produce copies. Mm. And I remember when I was in school, how proud of her herself she was that um, this was used by saxophone professors both here in the States and abroad. And so it was a, upon her death, it was a publication that was no longer available. The first issue was to get permission, which in and of itself was uh, not an easy task. I had tracked down through my connections at Butler, uh, her remaining sibling who gave me permission to update it and uh, once again, make it available. That was issue number one. Issue number two, almost simultaneously, was that the family had given the rights of the publication to Butler. 
Um, and so I had to get permission from Butler to um, once again make it available. Issue number three was, so this was 2012, I think, or thereabouts. I was new to Finale, so that was a problem. And issue number four was putting it in line to contemporary teaching and pedagogy. For example, there's no need for folk tunes like Swanee to be in, in this contemporary version. Hmm. So I, w- I went through and took out little tunes that I felt we could do better. And I should go back, Miss Lang's methodology was based on pitch matching. Hmm. So if you could hear it in the octave below, you could hear it above. And she did use sort of foundational material. She did use overtones. And that was wonderful, but I also felt like other methodologies could be incorporated as well. And so what I did was modernized her text. And so I think it's been really well received. And I think those who have used it are very glad it's back and available. That's an amazing amount of work that goes into a revision of a book. That's actually so impressive. Thanks. Um, well, uh, you know, it, it was a, a labor of love and, it, and, and sort of uh, a tribute back to her and my undergraduate experience. And I hope that she would be pleased. Yeah, I'm sure. And you've gone on, of course, to do a lot more for the saxophone community, especially in, I feel like, for band directors, because I know you've, as I mentioned before, you've presented at a lot of different education conferences. You are definitely a strong proponent of making sure that people start off the saxophone well, and that's something that's really important to you, of course, with your many years of teaching private lessons in high school and middle school level in Texas, too. So could you give us a little bit of insight into the talks that you've given at those conferences? Well, um, you know, I I feel uh, very, as, as I'm sure many of my colleagues do, very professionally responsible for doing so. And um, I think that is part of giving back to the profession. So uh, most recently, I did Midwest um, in last December, and I've done that a couple of times, I think total of three. And the professionals, the educators in the, in the middle school, high school level, who do you know just a fantastic job starting our, our young musicians out, they, they crave the information. And I find that each time that I do something, the questions that that are asked are great, but it just showcases that they want that reinforcement. They want that information coming back at them. So uh, typically when I do something like Midwest or uh, an educational conference, it's fundamentals, everything from from embouchure to teaching vibrato. And I was uh, really excited as a continuation of those type of projects. I was co-author on a woodwind methods book called A Teaching Guide to Woodwinds, which I did the saxophone chapters at, which is, I'm really proud of this because it's online. The textbook is online. So any point we can update as necessary and it's current pedagogy and then there's a supplemental in-class teaching 
method that is all performance-based. It's for today's students, you know, and especially in the situation that we find ourselves in today with having to teach virtually, it's fantastic. You know, videos and audio recordings and the text is right there. So it's not like they don't have their book and I would love everybody to use that. <laughs> I'm sure that's that. such a good resource. Yeah, I'm glad that you're mentioning that now, just in case there are band directors that are listening. Definitely go check that out because that sounds like a really useful resource. Absolutely. So, of course, I do want to talk about some of the things that you're currently working on. I know with COVID, there is a lot of stuff that's canceled, but I'm hoping that there's still things that you are excited about. You're excited for the next year, of course, I'm sure, but even with that transition of who knows how exactly it's going to look, are the things that you're looking forward to working on? Absolutely. Well, I was supposed to be a um, featured artist at uh, University of Montevallo in, I think it was October, so that's mm. off the, the table right now. Off but uh, yeah, it, it, I was really looking forward to that. But I'm preparing for a recital in November, um, which I'm excited about. I, I have long been committed to compositions uh, written by women. And my November recital is taking a little bit of a unique slant in that uh, the first half is going to be a remembrance for Kristallnacht, and the second half is going to be homage to uh, the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote. And um, the reason why I'm, I'm choosing that is because it's the breaking of the glass. And uh, so I hope with uh, elections being, not to be political, um, with elections being November 3rd, which is when the recital is, that that will be especially important and sure. we will break some more glass. That's awesome. Yeah, one thing I've always admired about you is you do have these thematic recitals. Like, for instance, when I was at Bowling Green, you came and performed, and you did one, a recital based on, like, your heritage, and I thought that was just so interesting and so much more, I don't know, it captivates our attention a lot more, and that's one thing oh. I really appreciate about you. So it's nice hearing that you're still doing, like, very pointed thematic things where it's like, this is why I'm doing it and this is what it's for. So I, I've always really enjoyed that. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I premiered last year a work by Erin Graham, who's at University of California, San Diego, uh, in her second year, I think, of her doctorate, which was, uh, was specifically commissioned for the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote mm. so, and, and the suffrage movement. So I'm looking forward to having that played as well. Well, okay. thank you again for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. It's always been a joy. I really enjoy hearing about what you have to say, and I feel like you always have goals that you're trying to achieve, and it's really fun seeing you do that, and then it's also fun hearing about you and your students succeeding. So I'm very happy you could come on the show. Oh, Jonathan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sax Reel. Please feel free to contact me if you have any suggestions for future guests or have questions you would like me to ask them on the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you.